Freddie been read in your hearing. Good to see Brother Larry in the background there. Amen. Forgive your pastor for not following his uh, commitment to call you. I'm calling you now. Hey, Larry, you doing all right? <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. I'm so excited about what Ignite is doing. Amen. And I am exempting the young people from the life groups the elder, with the older, older folk. You already have a life group called Ignite. Amen. Amen. So don't feel any pressure. Just continue to build community under the dynamic leadership of Sister Lucinda Ward. And we're so grateful for her. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. In verse 6 of Psalm chapter 1, we read, blessed, I'm sorry, verse 6. For the Lord knows the ways or the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish or lead to destruction. Let's read that together. I'm going to read it for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, bless our time together in your word. We thank you in advance. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, some of you who are older like myself, 26, <clears throat> Never told a lie in my life. <clears throat> Amen. Pray for the pastor. But seriously, for the older members who, and the younger crew that may be familiar with a television series that made its first debut in 1959 called The Twilight Zone. One of the episodes in the third season the 24th episode is called To Serve Man. Some of you may remember that. And if you don't, you can uh, Google it. To Serve Man. Isaiah, you need to check this out. You got to check this one out. The episode starts by focusing on a man's experience who is in a prison cell on an alien planet, and he's reflecting on how he ended up in that cell. And so, as the story is unfolding from the retrospection of his mind, he remembers the chaos that was covering the entire world. There were wars and famine, pestilence, disease, spiritual decline and political division. Man was on the very brink of self-destruction, and there was no hope in sight that mankind had solutions for what man was doing to the planet and to themselves. So in the midst of all this worldwide turmoil, an, a, a spaceship of aliens called Kunamits, uh, which was a race of nine foot tall, irregularly head shaped, creepy looking, aliens from outer space. So when they arrived on Earth, there was great suspicion, and the nations of the world were threatened and thought that they were going to have to go against these commissions. And so when the leader of this alien group introduced himself, even though he was unable to speak in human language, he could teleport or transmit his thoughts through another human person's mind and voice. That would have been enough for me to say that. <laughs> Not long looking at these things. So one of, the, one of the, the leader of this alien group says, we have been watching what's going on in the world, and we have a solution for every problem 
facing mankind. We can, we can solve uh, worldwide famine. We can eliminate poverty. We can uh, address the financial markets that are crashing. We can eliminate wars. We can bring people that are in conflict in politics. We can make Republicans and Democrats get along. And still suspicious, the, the nations of the earth required that the leader of these aliens take a polygraph test. No, remember, the aliens could not speak English. So he agreed, the leader, and he takes the polygraph test, passes it with flying colors. And so the world leaders say, OK, we're going to give you a chance and see if you can keep your promise to bless us out of the mess that we in. And so what, I mean, what, what worse could you do? We're already on the brink of self-destruction. And to the surprise and the amazement of the people of the world, this alien group was able to remove all war, all famine, all political conflict. Uh, they eliminated sickness. People didn't get sick anymore. People weren't dying. And so they were just celebrating being blessed by these aliens. And so the alien said, we got an offer for you that is even better than anything that you could experience on Earth. Come to our planet, which is an oasis. It's a utopia. No, I mean, it's, it's like paradise returned. And so thousands of people from around the world, scholars, rich and poor, signed up to return to this alien planet to live in, utop in, in a utopian society. And so one of the groups that was still kind of suspicious were translators. And so the alien leader gave the translators a book that, of their language, and it was the responsibility of the translators to figure out how to communicate through this particular alien language. Stay with me. We're going somewhere. But because of the success and the blessing that people were experiencing, I said, well, you don't need to learn that language. I mean, we got everything that we could have ever wanted. We are blessed. So one, all of the translators, with the exception of one woman, stopped trying to figure out what this book that included the language of these aliens really meant. And so when her... When her coworker agreed, I'm going, I'm going to the alien planet. I'm going to the utopian society. He agreed. And on the day he was going to get on the ship, as he's walking up the steps, the woman who worked with him, who hadn't given up trying to understand the translation, she runs after him. She said, I figured it out. I, I know, what, the, I know what, the, what their language, what this book is entitled. The book about to serve humans. It's a cookbook on how to prepare humans <laughs> to be eaten. So the guy in the, in the cell was actually being fed and prepared to be eaten by the aliens. How many of you know that everything that seems like a blessing may be a cookbook? <laughs> and it ain't going to be Get Out of Here. What's the name of that movie, Get Out of Here, or Go, Go Somewhere, or Get Out? Yeah. <laughs> Everything that seems like a blessing is not. And today we're starting a series of sermons. I want you to join God's blessing plan, not the alien's blessing plan. Not the entertainer who gets up on stage and says, God has blessed me, now kiss my. Or the person who leaves church to go on a cruise with somebody they're not married to, who's married to somebody else, and sends out all of their pictures to show how God is blessing them to be on the cruise. I want you to know that God doesn't bless mess. James chapter 1 verses 16 and 17 tells us, says, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. 
Every good and perfect gift, perfect blessing is from above, if it's good and perfect, and comes down from the Father of light, who does not change like shifting shadows? God is the source of every good and perfect blessing. You and I need to be aware of counterfeit blessings. The Bible says that the devil appears as an angel of light. He is a wolf in sheep's clothing. The anchor scripture for our series is taken from Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22, where it says, The blessing of the Lord maketh one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. The blessings of the Lord maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. And as was already mentioned by Sister Tanisha, that blessings in terms of wealth is not always tangible or material. The greatest blessings are spiritual. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, a blessing in the Bible is a God-given capacity, ability to enjoy him and the things that he gives us. Let me say that again. Here's what a biblical blessing is. Not the size of your house, not the size of the ride you're in, not how much money you have in the bank, not who's on, who's who you're dealing with at any given time because people are dealing with whoever they're dealing with, money in the bank, they ain't enjoying it. What you have doesn't guarantee that you're happy. And so when, when it's a blessing from the Lord, you will be able to enjoy him and whatever it is. Even if you're on your bed of affliction, if it comes from the hand of God, Paul says, I have learned in whatever condition I'm in, whatever circumstance, whether poor or rich, clothed or naked, housed or homeless, to be content because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I have learned that my God shall what? Supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. So when I'm blessed, I will be enjoying God and what he has entrusted to my hands. Somebody say amen. Now, as we turn our attention to Psalm chapter 1, it's very clear from one of my favorite passages of Scripture, and a common passage that we read often, and I can hear Elder Ward Sr. quoting this. This is his, his passage. Blessed is the man. Yeah, yeah. That from this passage that God doesn't bless mess. We're going to see next week that God ain't trying to make no deal with us. Mm -mm. God may bless you in your mess, your disobedience, your rebellion, but he will never bless your mess. He may bless you. That's, that, that's where we get this thing twisted. Uh, if God was mad at me, why do I still have a God? If God is mad at me, I would be sick. If God is mad at me, they say I would be struck down dead. No, no, no. God will bless you in your mess, but he won't bless your mess because the, the Bible still says that the way of a transgressor is hard. The scripture says, be sure your sins will expose you or will be exposed and you will pay the price of sin. There's a wage. There's a wage. And so even though God allows the sun to shine on the just as well as the unjust, you ain't getting no top shelf blessings. You're catching crumbs, and you're glad with the crumbs. God will bless you in your mess, but he ain't blessing your mess. So as we turn our attention to this passage in Psalm 1, uh, chapter 1, 
The key verse is four, verse 6, for the Lord knows the ways of the righteous. God knows. He searches. He has analyzed. There's nothing hidden from the omniscient, all-knowing God. He knows the way of the righteous. But the way of the wicked, the, the way of the folk who live messed up lives, he knows that too. And he said it leads to destruction. This is where we get kind of thrown off because it seems like the Psalm 73 thing where you look and you see like the wicked are prospering. And you work in 50 hours a week and you can't make what they make in an hour. But we need to understand from the scriptural perspective, what is the blessing? Let me run on. Psalm 1, we discover, we're going to discover three things. First of all, the characteristics of the kind of person that God will bless the characteristics of the righteous, the type of person that God, what does that person look like? That's in verses 1 through 3. And then we're going to look at the contrastive example or the contrastive lifestyle that God doesn't bless, even though it may seem like he's blessing them. The contrastive lifestyle that God doesn't bless in verse 4. And then finally, we're going to look at the consequences for those who live in opposition of God's word. The con like there's a consequence when you think that you can bl be blessed apart from God's plan. The Bible says the, the, the plans, there, many are the plans that are in the heart of man. We got all kinds of ideas, but God's purposes are ultimately going to be accomplished. Somebody say amen. Now let's look at the characteristics of the kind of person that God blesses. Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinner, or sits in the seat of the mocker or the scornful, the Bible says. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate. What? And he shall be like a that is planted by the rivers of water, and whatever he does shall prosper, shall prosper. Somebody say amen. Now, the first thing that I want you to understand about the blessed life is that it's conditional. This chapter, the blessings that the Lord says, blessed is the man, the one, the person, is conditional. Some promises in the Bible are unconditioned. You're just going to get it because of your relationship with Christ, our positional relationship with Christ. The Bible says, therefore, being justified by faith, we now have peace with God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, <clears throat> by virtue of our of our relationship with Jesus Christ, there are some positional blessings. The Bible says we are already seated in heavenly places through Christ Jesus and in him, which means that everything that Jesus has is ours. If you never lift a finger to do anything, it's yours, but it doesn't mean that you're going to get what's yours. It doesn't mean that you're going to get what's yours unless you fulfill the requirement, the condition. So the condition in the Bible will always be introduced by if or something that suggests uh, uh, a requirement. It's going to there will be a requirement in order for you to receive the attached blessing. Somebody say amen. And so the promise is conditional. Now, it's interesting that when we are in our English Bible, the word, it says, blessed is the man, and the word Blessed is at the beginning of the verse, which is, in Hebrew, the emphatic position, the position of emphasis. In the Hebrew language, the word blessed doesn't appear as a singular, singular noun without the S. It actually appears in the plural. And so instead of translating the verse, blessed is the man or the person, it, the, the verse could be rendered, oh, how, oh, how very, very blessed. Or how, very, very, how many blessings do those who don't do that or who don't do this? And so the word blessed could be translated blessings in the plural. You still with me? Stay with me. We're going somewhere. Now, <clears throat> the interesting thing is the emphasis is not on the, qu the quantity of blessings. How many blessings, plural, God is going to give us? But the emphasis, which is taken from where the word blessed is in the verse, is on the, the, the quality of the blessing. How very, very blessed. How completely and thoroughly and splendidly we are blessed. 
How beyond what we could ask or think and imagine we are blessed. That's the idea. The quality of the blessing. In other words, can't nobody bless you like Jesus? And, and, and what makes the blessings of the Lord quantitatively, qualitatively, I should say, different from any blessing that you could ever receive. I don't care how, how sweet she is. I don't care how handsome he is. I don't care how nice he can say what he says. Can't nobody do you like Jesus. Third John verse 2 helps us to understand the quality of the blessings, how very blessed, how thoroughly, how splendidly we are blessed, how totally blowing our mind we are blessed. John says, I pray that you will, that as your soul is blessed, so shall your health prosper. And so what he does in that verse, he says, God's blessing is so superior and so thorough and complete because he just doesn't bless us on the surface. He doesn't bless us on the outside. He blesses our soul. He, he, you, some of you don't understand that. Sometimes when you pray to the Lord, it's like, Lord, my soul, my soul is satisfied. And so he, he can bless you on the physical and the spiritual. He can meet needs that nobody else can because nobody else knows. He's the one who designed you. And so I'm thoroughly and completely and very, very blessed because the quality of the blessings of the Lord touches my very soul. That's the kind of blessing that the Lord gives. That's why you need to have a love relationship with the Lord before you go out trying to find you somebody. Because ain't nobody, that's why we sing today, ain't nobody, can't nobody do me like Jesus. Can't nobody do me like the Lord. Why? Because he blesses our soul. He satisfies my, my inward groanings when I'm crying at night. The Lord is the one who knows how to dry my tears. He's the one who understands me when I don't even understand myself. He is the one who picks me up when I'm down. He's the lifter of my high and thoroughly, supremely, exquisitely blessed. Somebody say, I'm blessed by the best. Amen. And so he talked about our position, the level of the quality of the blessing. Now, here's a, another thing. As we, there, there are two things that I want to look at in terms of the characteristics of who God blesses. First, we're going to look at the, 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 the character, the, the, what the righteous don't do what the people that God blesses don't do. And then we're going to consider what they do do. But before we do that, I want to explain two key words. The Bible says that God knows the way of the righteous or the godly, and he, always, he also knows the way of sinners. The word godly refers to the righteous. And I already quoted for, uh, 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 Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Righteousness has to do with 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, which says, God has made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, who never sinned, to become sin for us so that through what Jesus did in our place, we might be made the righteousness of God. So the moment you put your trust in the finished work of Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection, what is deposited into our bankrupt spiritual account is the righteousness of God, which means that now through Jesus' blood, God sees us through the stained blood of Jesus just as if we've never sinned. That's a positional stance we have in the Lord. But the word righteous, not righteousness, in this text here has to do not with our standing with God, but with our sanctification, with our practice based on our position. This is what righteous people do. They, the word righteous literally means being straight with God. 
straight with God. In the private places of your life, stay with me. What righteous people do? First thing he says is that righteous people, there are three things that righteous people don't do. He says, righteous people walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. And so when the Lord talks about the counsel of the ungodly, we automatically are talking about our thought life, the advice from the world. One of the things that righteous people do that God blesses is that we don't depend on the world's advice to direct our steps. The Bible says that eat, ooh, I'm, I'm jumping ahead of myself, say this is, this is, say, this is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to say that to myself last time. That was a tough sermon, y'all, last week. I wanted to say, I'm preaching. <laughs> that was a hard sermon, but the, but the Lord told me to do it. So, so, so he's talking about your thought life. In, in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, be not conformed. Don't be squeezed into the world's way of thinking. But be you what? Transformed by what? The renewing of your mind that you may prove that which is the good and the perfect will of God. In order to do the perfect will of God, your mind needs to be renewed because our thoughts are not his thoughts and his ways are not our ways. So I need to learn how to think like God. And how do I learn how to think like God? The Bible says faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so the first thing that righteous people don't do is seek out advice from people that don't know Jesus. Who are you getting advice for on how to live, how to be a wife, how to be a husband? It concerns me of how few Christians reference the Bible when you make decisions. We quote it, but we don't. Do what the scripture says. In all thy ways, what? Acknowledge him. And what did he say? We, come on, you can quote with And he will do what? He will direct your path. What? Trust in the, with what? Oh, come on, with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. We, we, we read that. But how often do you ask the question, what did God say about this that I'm getting ready to do? Or how, how does, does my thinking do what Philippians chapter 2 said, let this mind? Being you, that was in who? Your cousin. Pookie Bear. <laughs> being you, which was in Christ Jesus. Are you being like Jesus in your thought life? So the righteous do not seek counsel for ungodly people. Now, sometimes people who are unsaved can give you correct advice. And as long as what they're saying lines up with the word, a, a fool can tell you the truth. And you'd be a fool not to accept it. Here's the second thing that righteous people do not do. They don't stand in the path of sinners. And sin, in case you don't know, is disobedience to the Bible, disobedience to the word of God. When you don't do what God says, According to his word, you are sinning. We don't use that word anymore. You're judging me. The Bible says, you don't know any other verse in the Bible, the Bible judge ye not for in the same way you judge. I say, I'm not judging you, but this word does. One of, this, one of the things the word says, unless you are born again, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Well, how can you say that? Because God said it. So let God be true. And every man, a liar, does not stand the path of righteousness. He, this, is, this has to do with your conduct, your behavior, and, and, and who you spend time with. The Bible says, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts morals. Who are you hanging with? I can tell you what you really are like by who you associate with. Well, I just really love hanging around. There's certain kinds of people there. If you go to, I can tell people when I'm working in the hospital, when somebody died, oh, you go to that church, don't you? Because your church teaches you that when somebody dies, you fall out on your face and you act like the devil got the victory and somehow the devil has in control over life and death. 
That's false teaching. Scripture says, come out from among them and be ye separate, say of the Lord, and touch not the unclean things, and I will receive you. There's some relationships you need to break. There's some friendships that you don't need to be calling friends. There's some things that you need to decide that I'm turning my back on this, because if you don't, then the Scripture says you are standing in the path of sinners. You're doing what unrighteous people do, and what unrighteous people do don't result in the world. God doesn't bless mess. Here's the third thing. That righteous people do not do. They do not sit with mockers. Notice the progression. It starts off, uh, blesses a man who walketh not. Then you go from walking who standeth not in the path of sinners. And then the final digression or the downward spiral is now you're sitting. You started walking, now you're standing. You're just hanging around, just getting to know him, and now you're sitting. And so he moves from your thought life to your conduct to lifestyle. Now you're comfortable. You don't, you're not under conviction about the things that the Holy Spirit used to convict you about. You ain't sorry when, when, when you grieve the, the Holy Spirit. You have a lifestyle. You have a stronghold. You feel no conviction about sin. You spiritualize. Here's the thing that happens in the church. When we are sitting with mockers, with people who make fun of the church, make fun of the Bible, don't take God seriously. What we do, Christians do, is we spiritualize our carnality. We figure out why this is okay. I got liberty in Jesus. Let me get past the, past the rum. You can't even see straight past the rum. Pass the blunt. Ain't nothing in the Bible that says you can't get high. Ain't nothing. Yes, it is. The Bible says you can get, do not be drunk with wine. I want to see some folk drunk in the spirit. Yeah, just, you know how, you know how it is when you, when you intoxicate under the influence of, of state. There's a reason they call it spirits. <laughs> when, when you're under the control of the Holy Spirit, you don't act like yourself. That's the reason why the devil is fighting you so hard. You're so close to breaking through and being free. The devil knows that once you get out of yourself, the Holy Spirit will take control and God will bring you into the communion that he said, if you open up the door. What righteous people, now what do righteous people do? He said, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he what? Meditate both day and night, and he shall be like a tree that's planted by rivers. Well, here's three things that righteous people do. And ask yourself, does this describe you? He delights himself in the law, the whole Bible, even the part that you don't like, the part that step all up on your toes. To delight means to take pleasure to be like Peter says, like newborn babes, you crave, you, 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 you have an insatiable appetite to be in the Bible. Righteous people delight, take pleasure. You don't have to twist their arm. Where's your Bible? I don't know. Look, I'm about to kill you. Tell me where the book of John is in your Bible. Well, you're just going to have to kill me. <laughs> I, 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 when people, sometimes I go in, I go in a room, somebody's just yelling and they're cussing and telling people off. First thing I ask them, what church you go to? <laughs> no, it's, I go to first, first Beelzebub, Backslider, Carnos, Love, Love Jesus Church. No, they'll tell you in a minute where they go. And I say, I thought you went to my church. Do you delight in studying the word, hearing the word, getting to church where the word is preached? Do you find your soul being fed? David said, your word was my necessary food. Some of us, like Peter, when Jesus said, well, you guys can go to the 5,000 that left with their kids. They want some fish and chip. We, we come there because it's Sunday. We're going to get our blessing. We're going to get a good feeling. Jesus said, for the rest of you guys aren't committed. He said, you can go too. And Peter said, well, shall we go? where shall we go? 
You have the words of life. God's word is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts going and coming, pierces to the dividing son, the son of soul and spirit, and goes in between the joint and the marrow and discerns the very thoughts of and intents of our heart. Do you delight in the word of God? Do you really want to be blessed? Here's the second thing. Righteous people digest God's word. He said, in his law does he meditate both day and night. Meditation literally means to chew the cud. What cows do, they would chew cud. They would chew what they were eating, and they would chew it and chew it and chew it until that solid substance literally chewed it down to, the, to its finest level until they, it liquefied. And then the reason they did it is so that they could get the absolute maximum amount of nutrition from the cud that they were, that the, from the food they were eating. And then they've got strength to do what cows do. And so when it comes to the word of God, what we do, we marinating on this thing. We just meditate. We, 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 we're pondering on it. We're thinking about, first of all, we read the scripture. Then we remember, David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So I'm, 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 I'm reading the word. I'm remembering the word. And then I'm reciting the word. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread. He used the word. So I'm reciting the word. And meditation also means I'm responding in obedience to the word. Are you a person who digests the word? Or do you hear a good sermon? And, oh, man, that was good. Uh, I'll put my Bible up. I'll get it next Sunday. I tell you what, whenever I would go to church, I was so hungry. That's how I grew. I didn't want to be at the back of the church. I'm not saying anything about anybody in the back of the church, Brother Isaiah. But I was on the front row. I didn't want to miss nothing. Now that I'm a pastor, when I go to church, I sit in the very back because the first thing they're going to do, oh, you a preacher. Come on. I ain't come there to be I can't be fed. So he digests the word. He delights in the word. Here's the third thing. He is disciplined in his time in God's word. He meditates in the word both day and night. Oh, I knew this Bible ain't true. I, I work. I'm going to meditate in the word both day and night by committing it to, to, to memory and to, to do the meditation part of it. He didn't. So the godly are disciplined. Are you a disciplined student of the word? Well, I ain't a preacher. I had to go to seminary. I didn't go to Bible study. I didn't go to Bible college. Paul says, study to show yourself approved. Yourself, a workman who does not need to be offended. Can you imagine if your boss came to you and asked you if you knew how to do your job? And you said, well, I just work here. I don't know how to do what I'm supposed to do. I just come here and get paid. And then the dude say, well, well, see, see that door right there that says exit? I'm, I'm, I'm moving on, moving on. Uh, I saw a pair of shoes that I've been looking for. And they took them off the market. My daughter and son uh, brought them for me a Christmas present. I, I worked those babies. <laughs> oh, I can sit in my shoes now. I rock from side to side. They so run down. Oh, somebody had to come and push me to hold me up. <laughs> I finally found the, the pair. And they were on sale. I didn't know it was for one day. That jokers went up again. So I called my son. I ain't trying to order anything online. That's for younger minds. <laughs> and, and, uh, yeah, yeah. So he said, look, I want you to order these shoes for me. So he sent me back what I sent him. He said, there's three versions. I thought there was only one version. So I picked the one I like. Now, because it's for, the shoe is for me. I don't, he don't get to pick what I, when he brought the gift for me, they could pick whatever they want. They paid for it. But since I, I'm paying for it and I know what I want, I know the specification, I get to make that decision. I want you to know when it comes to blessing those who are righteous or unrighteous, you don't get to decide, well, I choose this kind of righteousness. I choose that kind of righteousness. And I like this kind of righteousness. And God, you no, 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 no. God is the one that decides what's acceptable and unacceptable. Why? Because Jesus paid the price for your sins, and you are not your own. You've been brought. 
brought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus. Let me run on. Now, how are the righteous blessed? Let me give you three ways the righteous are blessed. He says, they shall be like a tree that is planted by the rivers of water, where, you're, where, the, where, the, where, the, where the roots grow deep, and the tree is always in, have access to water, life-giving water. And so what he's saying is that when storms come and difficulties come in life, you want to be a person who is strong and stable. Strong and stable. Does that describe you? Well, that, that's the blessing of the Lord. The reason why you didn't fall apart, the reason why you didn't walk out on your family wasn't because your husband was so convincing. But you delight in the law of the Lord. You meditate in the word of God. Both day and night, and you are now being like that tree is planted by the river, stable and strong. You also share with others as your life, as you live a productive, purpose-driven life. Say that with me. You share with others as you live a productive, driven, purpose-driven life. Now listen, it says his lead, he says, the tree brings forth fruit in its season. The tree produces the fruit it was purposed to produce. It's productive. Believers who delight in the word of God will live productive lives. But guess what? A tree doesn't eat its own fruit. The fruit is made to what? Share with others. If you are blessed, the, way, the reason God blessed you is so you can bless others. Trees, blessed people, bless people. Say that, blessed people, bless people. If you're keeping all to yourself, that ain't God's blessing. Here's the a, here's a third thing. We're moving on. You are sustained by the power of God. He says, whose leaves never wither. That doesn't mean that the leaves don't drop off. It doesn't mean that the seasons don't change. What it means is that this thing is it takes a licking, but it keeps on ticking. It says it perseveres. It keeps coming back. It gets knocked down, but it's never knocked out. It, gets, it feels like quitting, but it never gives up. I want you to understand that your leaves will never wither. That's the blessing of God. He will give you wings of eagles. He will give you the ability to run without fainting. He'll give you the ability to walk and mount up. Your leaves will never wither. You're going to have some difficulties. Here's the final thing. He says, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. Success is whatever God directs you to do. Or success, here's the promise, success in whatever God directs you to do. You shall, you shall prosper. You will prosper in your marriage. You will prosper as a parent, as a friend. You will prosper in the workplace. Wherever you go, if God has placed you there, you will, in prosperity in the Bible means to be successful, to accomplish what God has purposed for you to do. And guess what? Every time you obey the word, guess what you're being? Successful. Successful. When you obey God's word, you're being a success. Success in whatever you do. I like what First Timothy chapter uh, of six says, but guiding this with contentment is great gain. Learning how to be content. We got to run on. You guys still with me? Let me, let me? let me finish with this. I want to look at the contrastive lifestyle of the wicked. Here's what the wicked do do. What the wicked do. They walk in the counsel of the ungodly. They stand in the way of sinners. They sit in the seat of the mockers and the scornful. So everything that the unrighteous, that the, that the righteous don't do, the unrighteous do do. Now what, what the wicked do not do, they don't delight in the word of God, they don't digest the word, and they're not disciplined in the word. The question is, which category describes you? Woman of God, man of God. And this is not no check. Well, I in my Bible every day. But you don't love nobody. You don't forgive nobody. You can remember everything that everybody ever did. And you, I give all the time. And you can tell everything you ever gave. Since, you, since the history of mankind, you didn't give it from your heart. You give it to, kept, to keep score, to feel good about yourself. 
Now, let me share the consequences of expecting God to bless mess. The scripture, therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, the sinners in the congregation, nor the sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord, what, knows the way of the righteous, but the ungodly shall what? Shall perish or lead to destruction. Let me just quickly share some things. Here's the consequence of thinking that God is going to bless a life that is in opposition to his word, that because you have physical things, because you have a massive following on Facebook or Twitter, ah, God bless I am an, I'm an influencer, okay, in this world system. Here's the first consequence, superficial blessings in the present. Say superficial blessings in the present. He said, you will be like the chaff that is a, that is a, that's mixed in, entwined with the, with the wheat. It looks like it's a part of the wheat. But when the chaff and the wheat are blown, when, when, when the winnowing process starts and the, and the wind blows onto, that, onto the wheat, the chaff blows away because it's worthless. It's temporary. And so the blessing that you may have because the sun shines on the just and the unjust is, is superficial. It's super, you're the chaff. <laughs> you got it today and it's gone tomorrow. You slap somebody today and you banned for 10 years the next day. You better not be looking for the world to pump you up and place you on a pedestal. Here's a, here's a second thing. Consequence, separated, separation and judgment in the future. So in the present, you have superficial blessing. In the future, there's going to be a separate, separate judgment. He says, the ungodly will not stand in the congregation of the righteous. He's talking about a time, the Bible says, the wheat will be separated from the chaff, the goats from the wheat, from, from the sheep. And in Revelation chapter 20, it says, the, the, and I saw a great white throne, and I saw him who sat on it, from whom the face of the earth and the heavens fled, and there was found no place for them to hide. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. And the sea gave up their dead and those who were in it. And, the, and death and hell were delivered up and the dead who were in them. And they were all judged, each one according to his works. And so this is a separate, this is called the great white throne judgment. This is a judgment for those who die without knowing Jesus. Everybody that dies can have this confidence to be absent from the body as we pray. No, no, there's another place called hell. But then one day, the Bible says in Revelation that hell is going to give up the dead, and they're going to stand before God, and two books are going to be open, the book of life and the book of works. Two books because God, nobody will be able to say, well, God, maybe you missed something. No, God, I got two books. The, the first of all, your name's not written in the book, Lamb's Book of Life. Now, let's see if you got some works that back up your relationship. No, no, no. And the Bible says they're going to be, we're going to say cast. The picture is this, that literally the angel of death is going to grab the person individually and literally drag them and cast them, throw them into the lake of fire. And so there's a separate judgment. The condemnation for the unrighteous is that there's coming a time when the good won't suffer with the bad, where there will be a separation for those who were satisfied with superficial blessings. Here's a final thing. This is a consequence. Sentence, sentence to eternal damnation. That's another word you don't hear. But listen to uh, Revelation chapter 20, verses 14. But the, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. That's the last part of verse 6. And he says, he's in, in Revelation, and, and death and hell were thrown into the lake of fire. That's the second death, the lake of fire. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Well, this is hell right now. Oh, that's a lie from the pit. Hell is a place of eternal torment where you're consciously aware of what's happening. And the worst part of hell is that you can see heaven while you're, while you're being tormented. But you can't get there. Sentence to eternal damnation. That's, a, that's the consequence. Separated, a separate judgment, the great white throne judgment, not the beam and seat of Christ, and then a superficial blessing in the present. Let me ask some questions as we're closing. Here's some questions. 
How do you know when a blessing is from God or counterfeit? Here's the first question. Are the blessings in your life drawing you closer to God or driving you away? Is that relationship you're in drawing you closer to God or pushing you away? Are the associations that you are, or that you are connected to, the job that you have, is it drawing you closer to God or driving you away? True blessings from God will always draw you closer. They will never drive you away. Here's a second question. Did God give you the blessing or did you get it on your own? If God gave it to you, the Bible says he adds no sorrow with it. Why are you so miserable? Why can't you get it together? Why do you have everything that you thought you ever needed and you're just as unhappy and frustrated and stressed out? There's no trouble, no sorrow with what God does. Here's a final question. Ask yourself this question. What eternal value does the blessings I have in my life and the lives of others have? What, etern what is the eternal value? of? If God gave it to you, there ought to be eternal value to it. How are other people's lives being blessed? How are you becoming more like Jesus? How are you manifesting the fruit of the Spirit in your life? Are you using what God has given you to bear fruit? Are you sharing your blessings with others? Well, I don't have much. You know how inflation and gas. Well, what about before inflation and gas? He wasn't sharing then. The Bible says he who is faithful over a few things will be faithful enough. Would you stand with me? God doesn't bless mess. Say this. God don't bless mess. What category do you fit in? The godly or the ungodly? It's clear. If you are not walking in the path of the righteous, there's a consequence. Don't settle for temporary blessings when God wants to give you eternal blessings. Let's pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, we thank you. Father, I'm humbled because I have to examine myself first. 